MyBookie.ag brings you Monday Morning Live. Jim Dunaway, Tom Luganbill of ESPN. And for the third straight week, the top eight does not lose. And for the first time ever, we said this last week, for the first time ever, we've now got five unbeaten Power 5 teams this late in the season. Chaos... It's not walking through that door, Tom Lugan, Bill. And I don't know what the committee's <laughs> going to do at the end. We've got so much to talk about. How are you doing today, man? I'm good. I'll tell you where chaos did walk in the door was uh, Auburn, Alabama. Uh, they did, man. They did. We'll start right there with that loss to New Mexico State because it's Iron Bowl week down here. It's Thanksgiving for most. It's Iron Bowl week for all of us. Auburn hosting Alabama, Jordan-Hare, where it seems to always be a tougher game. So New Mexico State wins it. Jerry Kill. I'd said all week long on this show that it was not a gimme win. I thought Auburn would win it, but it would be a tough fight. And that was all respect to Jerry Kill and what he does as a coach. I didn't expect him to lose the game, and I definitely didn't expect him to lose it 31-10. to Let's start right there. What went wrong for Auburn in that one? Mindset, focus, appreciation and respect for the opponent. When it's quote-unquote dubbed, you're down week. You throw a team in there that's uh, supposed to get the big win, get you hyped up, get you ready to go, play some young guys, get a little better, develop some other guys, assuming you're going to win the game before you play in the Iron Bowl. And all of those notions – are exactly what gets you beat. And this is the challenge of dealing with 18 to 22-year-old kids. And um, it's – the thing that stands out more to me than anything, like, is if you follow college football, whether you're in the South and you're a true SEC fan of this and that, but if you really have paid attention over the last 40 years, you're talking about a program in New Mexico State that is arguably one of the bottom five doormats of college football. And Jerry Kill has them at nine and three and playing for a conference championship. So I, that, that that right there, the fact that an 8-3 and three team that was New Mexico State was coming into Jordan-Hare should have gotten that team's attention. And um, and it didn't. And Jerry Kill has done that everywhere. I mean, Emporia State, Saginaw Valley State, Southern Illinois, no- Northern Illinois, then at Minnesota. And every time he takes a program over that's terrible, they win and they win quickly. So unfortunate set of circumstances for Auburn. I, I felt strongly they were going to be a – Seven and five finish. It would look like a great, great coaching job, particularly down the stretch. It settled in on offense. Uh, what a frustrating loss if you're an Auburn fan. Okay, now two takeaways from this, and I'll tell you my opinion first. Uh, but let me first say to everyone: mybookie.ag, mybookie.ag. Go there, use the promo code next round on all the great football Thanksgiving weekend. Make those plays, big college basketball games as well. Mybookie.ag. Use the promo code next round. For a 50% deposit bonus, mybookie.ag. Two things for me. One, I don't think it has any impact at all on the on the Iron Bowl. I think a different Auburn team shows up. The atmosphere will be Absolutely. crazy. Uh, and I think the outcome would have been the outcome whether Auburn had beat that team 60-10 to 10 or lost to them 31-10. to 10. But the thing I do want to ask you that I think a lot of Auburn fans were asking themselves, they had flipped one big recruit already. They were in the process of flipping a couple of others and recruiting is what this year has all been about for Hugh Freeze. Does a loss like that hurt you uh, on the recruiting trail or does it open up the doors or is it zero impact on recruiting as well? You've done that for a long time. I think it would be a bigger impact if that loss prevented them from being bowl eligible and now all of a sudden you don't have those practices in the month of December that are so critical when you're having a kid on campus, official visit, 
families there. You want to be practicing. You want to be on the field. You want to be relevant. You want to be able to showcase your practices, how you go about doing it. That would have been a negative for me. Um, and I'm sure they would have looked at it the, the same way. But I, I think it's negligible. I, I think that going into this next phase of recruiting, once, and I've said this before, for every staff that goes into year two that's in currently in year one and you're just trying to manage everything, um, going forward, I think you'll see a lot of continued positive momentum. You, you reference flipping guys late. They're going to get into the portal, I'm sure, to try and improve there. But I do think it's critical to be relevantly playing and preparing for postseason games when you have that month of December, and Auburn still does have that. Good morning to everyone in the chat as we get going again. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can jump into our chat right there, Facebook, also on Twitter. We appreciate you guys being with us. All the audio platforms around the country as well. We know during this hour, a lot of you are driving and cannot participate in the show. We appreciate you being along with us as well. And don't forget, when the show's done, if you missed any of it, it replays 8 to 9, uh, but it's there for you all the time in our video platforms. You can go back, as many of you do, and re-watch it here. Let's jump into the other big stories a reminder though holidays are here our friends at roback.com roback great gear for you it can get you 20 percent off the entire site right now if you use this right here's no promo code just go to this website roback.com slash tnr20 roback.com slash tnr20 it's going to get you 20 percent off the entire site because you watch monday morning live right here roback.com slash tnr20 we'll tell you more about that later on biggest story in college football to me uh happens off the field now happens with the college football playoff committee jordan travis Mm -hmm. gets injured um they were down 13 nothing to fcs north alabama we're not even fcs anymore they've moved up but north alabama and uh and they're down 13 nothing jordan travis gets hurt they come back and blow out north alabama as florida state should but what do you do if you're the committee with with florida state now let's say they beat florida and they beat louisville but i mean they were precarious in some circles even with jordan travis now without jordan travis are they a playoff team? How do you handle this whole thing if you're in that committee room uh, and you're you're the committee member with Florida State now without QB1 with a resume that is not overwhelming? You spend the next two weeks thoroughly examining Tate Rodemaker and whether or not you think he could be Cardale Jones of Ohio State in 2014. Um, and I think that's very real. The rest of the team needs to be evaluated the way they've been evaluated each and every week, and obviously the committee has liked them. You take the most important player off the field, the player that I believe has been the most improved college football player, regardless of position over the last five years in college football, a true difference maker, a Heisman candidate, and you remove him from the equation, does it have an impact? Absolutely. I think it would have a greater impact in a negative fashion if this would have happened next week or in the ACC championship game where the committee doesn't have an opportunity to sit back and watch Florida State on the road next week against Florida and see what Tate Rodemaker does. Doesn't have the opportunity to see what they do in the ACC championship game. So hope is not all lost, in my opinion, for Florida State. It's taken a major dent. But the timing of this to give the committee a chance to to look and say, could this team compete at the highest level and potentially win a semifinal game 
without Jordan Travis. Having these next two games is going to be critical to them making that decision as accurately and fairly as they can. Uh, This will be shocking to some on Tuesday, but even if Jordan Travis was upright and healthy, Washington was going to jump Florida State this week anyway because they just beat another top 12 opponent on the road. So Washington's going to be four this week and Florida State's going to drop. It it will look to some like they're reacting to Jordan Travis already, but that's no. not the case, right? I don't think that's the case at all. And not only did you see Washington go into a very, very diff- difficult environment and win that game, you also saw them handle the weather conditions. I mean, I've never seen a quarterback like Michael Panic's throw a wet football. I've never seen a quarterback throw a wet football like that. It was like it wasn't even raining. Um, I thought what they did on Saturday was the most impressive of their last three to four outings, and it was a really important outing and window nationally for them to be seen. Um, So I, I, I thought that part of it was going to catapult Washington above Florida State regardless. And um, so I I think it would be unfair to say, oh, well, the, the committee's just reacting because Jordan Travis got hurt. I think they're, they're far more reacting to the fact that that uh, Washington looked really good on Saturday night. And by the way, they now, at least by last week's standings, have four wins over teams in last week's top 25. That will not be the case uh, when the new top 25 comes out because Utah is going to slip out of that thing. So uh, more on the field in a second. But back to Jordan Travis in Florida State. Uh, a team that uh, Alabama fans are very familiar with here, and that's 2014 Ohio State, who eliminated Alabama in the first ever college football playoffs and went on to win the national championship, did that with their third-string quarterback. So with that as a little bit of a precedent back in the first year of the college football playoffs, does that help Florida State with the committee down the stretch here that Ohio State did this back in 2014? Or is the fact that there's so big of a logjam at the top make this a totally different scenario? Well, the committee likes to say that every week is its own week and every year is its own week. But human nature will tell you, hey, we've had this before. How did it work out? Um, My crew actually ironically had that Ohio State-Michigan game. I was on the field when that happened. And JT Barrett went down and Cardell Stewart came in. And somehow they looked really, really good. And it was against Michigan, of all people. And... Um, obviously the, the, the rest is history. I, I, that was a really, really dominant Ohio state football team that I think just needed sufficient, effective quarterback play. They didn't need elite quarterback play and they actually got more than they expected. They probably would out of Cardell Jones. Does the committee feel like Tate Rodemaker will give Florida state more than is maybe actually needed. I don't think this Florida State team is the same team as that Ohio State team was on defense that year. That could play a role. But I think you have to go back and examine that, and you have to go back and look at some of the parameters that were in play. Are there any similarities? Are there any common denominators that uh, would help us make a better decision this time around? They'll say that they won't do that, but I think you kind of have to do that to some degree. Um, listen, it's it's such a... It's so different, let's just say Texas losing Jonathan Brooks, right? I mean, we, we, we saw what Texas looked like for two weeks with Malik Murphy, and I do not think the committee, if the same thing happened to Texas, looking at Malik Murphy would have 
would have kept Texas in the fold. I don't know if that's going to be the same for Florida State, but again, they have two more weeks to examine this and really watch the quarterback play. If the quarterback play is effective and efficient and they beat Florida in the swamp and they beat a top 10 team in Louisville and they're on undefeated football team, that's a champion of a power five conference. Jim, I think they're going in. I think, I think that's, it's a, it's a telltale sign. You've got a really good football team. You've got a resilient football team and you got a quarterback that stepped in and is effective. Uh, Alabama does what Alabama's supposed to do to Chattanooga, 66 to 10. And they got the, um, a lot of the starters out, including the quarterback after the first half. Uh, so the Iron Bowl is this week. We'll get back to the Iron Bowl in a second. But for Alabama fans, they spent Saturday watching, uh, the teams ahead of them, uh, trying to, uh, hope for losses here or there to open up a door, uh, to get them into the college football playoff should they win out. Um, let's start first with the team that beat Alabama, and that's Texas. Uh, Texas up only 6-3 at the half. They go mm-hmm. on to win it 26-16 without their star running back. C.J. Baxter comes in, though, and gets 117 yeah. yards. It's their first 10-win season since Alabama beat them in the national championship in 2009 for the long yeah. So there's that for Sark. But this Texas team continues to turn along. If they went out, are they a playoff team? And and are they continue will they continue to be ahead of Alabama regardless of what Alabama does? Well, first of all, are they a playoff team yes. in terms of their personnel? The answer is unequivocally yes. They are they're good enough. Um they they've got some serious dudes on that football team. They are particularly fortunate to be very deep at running back. So yes, the Jonathan Brooks hit hurts. But we saw Saturday night that they can plug and play pretty good as well. And C.J. Baxter is a budding star. Um, I, as I said before, I think that the committee's human nature is to always default to the decision that will receive the less, least amount of criticism. So if that head-to-head ends up becoming the determining factor, then I think that the committee would default to it versus Alabama. Do I think Alabama – Deserves to be in the college football playoff if they win out. I absolutely do. I absolutely do. Um, the question then you have to start to ask yourself is what would that do to Georgia? Oh, yeah. Would Georgia be the team that unfortunately, despite just one loss, would be the team that would be on the outside looking in? And it's hard to sit there and say, well, wow, you'd put a, 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 a team that was number one, bump them outside of the top four to include two other teams that have a loss. Um, Yet both of the head-to-head would work itself out in that regard. So Georgia could technically be the team that as good as they are that could be in a precarious position right there, uh, assuming that we have an undefeated Big Ten champ. And I would have to say potentially uh, either Washington – would have to go undefeated to ensure the Pac-12's inclusion. Oregon obviously beats Washington, wins the Pac-12, but still has a loss. Now, how is that viewed? Because mm-hmm. I think that's where this entire thing gets muddy. Yep. Texas, conference champ. Oregon, conference champ. Alabama, conference champ. They all have a loss. Georgia has a loss. You have an undefeated Big Ten champ who stays home. And that's where a head-to-head is an easy default for the committee. Tom Luganbill of ESPN, it is uh, uh, easier with 12 if it was this year 
Um, it's exciting with four, I guess. Would you rather have twelve this year with all these teams, or would you? Are you excited that it's still four? I think it's. I think it's fun that it's still four, but I think the fun part about it is it's not the same four we always see, right? All of a sudden, Oregon and Washington are in. All of a sudden, Texas is a part of this. And it's not Oklahoma out of the Big 12. Um, all of a sudden, Clemson's not a part of this. Um, you know, that that to me is what kind of makes it exciting, some fresh blood and some new blood. And if we had six, if we had eight, if we had 12, it would all work itself out because my take on all of that is we're, we're – somebody will – some people will say we are subtracting – um, excellence for access. And my response to that is primarily, yes, but you're still going to get the access down the line. And I think at the end of the day, if you had 16, 18, 10 teams, 12 teams in all of this, barring injury, um, something you know completely substantial that could crush a team late in the season, we would probably still end up with the teams you and I have been talking about here for the last 10 minutes because those teams are built differently and they're built for the long haul. I think that's the thing going forward, Jen, that I'm very curious about. We're going to be asking teams, a 9 seed, an 11 seed, a 10 seed, to have to play, what, three or four games just to have a chance at a national championship. Those teams aren't – they're not equipped roster-wise for that. you know. And so the depth and the quality of play, if you don't get injured – the teams that are the best programs in America right now are going to have distinct advantages when this thing expands, in my opinion. I agree with you. Um, maybe not for a one-round one upset, but for to win it all, absolutely. Yeah. Um, a goose in the chat room, you aren't moving Alabama over a team that beat them without another loss. And NH3425 says, yeah, Bama needs Texas to lose one more. Yeah. I would only ask you guys, can you imagine, though, the SEC – not having a team in. Well, then you guys are painting me a scenario that if Alabama beats Georgia, um, that that if Texas doesn't lose, you guys are painting me a scenario that uh, the SEC doesn't have a team in this. With, and that's just mind-boggling to me that the SEC champion would be left out and that Georgia, who would only have lost one game in 29 in two national championships, the team that beat them wouldn't be in either. It's, it's mind-boggling. I cannot imagine it. Do not think it will happen. Kirk Herbstreit agrees with me. Herbstreit said the SEC champion will be in this thing, one way or the I other. I agree. Yeah, yeah. I and I, and I agree. I think we're not we're not actually painting the picture that somebody would one of them would be in. The question the, the question becomes who who's out and could it be Georgia? See, that's the the question nobody's asking. Is wait a minute. In all of this, there's kind of this assumption that. If Alabama were to beat Georgia, well, they're both in. You wouldn't have one past four. Well, technically, under normal circumstances, that's probably correct. But under normal circumstances, there's probably not another one-loss team there that's a conference champ that beat Alabama. Those aren't normal circumstances. This year, they are going to be normal circumstances. And that's what, again, that's why it would really, really, really help the Pac-12 if Washington can go undefeated. Yep. And that's, that's what that's what the, the Pac-12 needs. If you are Alabama, if you're Texas or you're Georgia, as good as Oregon's been playing, it would help you and throw 
a wrench in the works for the committee if there was a one-loss Pac-12 champ outside of an undefeated Pac-12 champ. All due respect to Alabama, hard to imagine Georgia losing right now. They go on the road. They beat Tennessee. It's their third-ranked win in a row. They continue to look like they get better and better every week. Carson Beck mm-hmm. is in control. He find, Without Ladd McConkey, with a limited Brock Bowers, he finds Dylan Bell. Hello, Dylan Bell. Dylan, ring my bell. He's out there the other day. And uh, Carson Beck goes 24 of 30, three touchdowns, no interceptions. They cruise at Neyland Stadium, 38 to 10. Uh, 28 in a row, tying the SEC record. Uh, two Alabama teams with that. One more win over Georgia Tech. They set their own record. Back-to-back national champions. It, it's, it's like, uh, it's like a hand out the window, Hair blowing Kirby Smart, one hand on the wheel, just cruising down the road right now for the dogs. Isn't it interesting how we are all discussing at some point or another over the last, let's say, six to seven weeks, how great Jaden Daniels has been and how he should be the, the, the Heisman front runner at LSU despite what the losses are. Yet we're not discussing Carson Beck as a Heisman front runner. He's been unbelievably productive. And I would argue unbelievably productive in the in, productive in the one year where you say, okay, we're breaking in a quarterback. Let's hope everything goes as planned around him. Let's not have an injury to Lad McConkie. Let's not have an injury to Brock Bowers. Let's have a couple of other receivers emerge. Let's make sure that our run game is as good as it's been in recent years, so that the quarterback doesn't have to do anything. Well, none of those things have happened. Every single one of them. Ha- We've had an injury to Ladd McConkie. We've had an injury to Brock Bowers. At times, they haven't been a dominant run game. They've had to find other weapons. And the one consistent steadying force of high-level play has been the quarterback, who was one of the least experienced players coming into the season. So, I mean, I don't know how you feel about it, Jim, but the last four to five weeks, I mean, Carson Beck, I would go back to the second half of the Auburn game, and you could watch Carson Beck and say, why aren't we talking about him? Yeah, why not him? Uh, let me ask you about one other quarterback that looks like he's going to at least be in New York and is a favorite to win it. That's Bo Nix. After I tell you that we got a great deal this holiday season for you, our next round coffee blend and all the coffees at Who Is Coffee. Just go to whoiscoffee.com uh, slash pages slash the next round or just simply go to nextround.store and click the link there. Use the promo code TNR20 to get 20% off the coffee this uh, holiday season. TNR20 to get 20% off the coffee. Whoiscoffee.com and also nextround.store. Nextround.store. Click the link for the coffee. TNR20 gets you 20% off right now. Bo Nix is on his way. He'll be a Heisman finalist now, regardless of what happens against Oregon State and in the Pac-12 championship game. He'll be a finalist. Uh, but right now, he's on his way to winning this thing. They cruise over Arizona State 49-13. to uh, They don't have a spot in the Pac-12 championship game locked up yet. Uh, and they've got two tough games likely left. Oregon State who's nationally ranked, yeah. and then Washington in the rematch in the Pac-12 championship game. But that team is looking good as well, and Bo Nix is playing the mature quarterback role perfectly. He really is, and I think that, you know, the one thing that stood out to me about this past weekend was, if you remember a week ago, that same Arizona State team that is literally decimated. I mean, they are they can't even dress enough offensive linemen to run traditional offensive sets. They're playing three or four quarterbacks or playing a tight end at quarterback. They're playing a running back at quarterback and they beat UCLA on the road. Right. 
And I think the mat- the maturity that Oregon showed, because all of a sudden ASU's playing at home, right? There's a little rah-rah. You're kind of surprised. It was a big, unexpected win. Oregon goes in and just shuts that down. It wasn't I, – I just think the maturity of that football team, the focus of that team, um, Coach Lanning has that team in a great headspace right now. I think they've accepted the responsibility of who they are and where they are. And uh, the, the one thing that, that Oregon's doing each and every week, maybe more so than, than anything else, is they don't beat themselves. Like, they, they don't find ways to – I mean, that's – if you were to say, okay, give me a one-loss team versus a one-loss team, one team that knows how to put the pedal to the floor and put people away, and another team that's every bit as talented but can't do that, that's Oregon and Texas. That's the two con- that's the conversation between those two. Oregon finishes people and they they don't pay attention to the out- outside noise. I mean, in today's college football world with heads, as much as offensive football has exploded, Bo Nix is going to be on the verge if the next two weeks play themselves out in similar fashion to what they've done throughout the season to break the all-time completion record, which would be almost 79% in major college football, which is an absolutely unheard of number. Because that's not a team that's just, you know, they have their screen game and this and that, but that's a team that is chock full of explosive plays. Like he's throwing the ball downfield. He's having to make different, difficult throws to intermediate and deep levels. So I just think they're a mature team led by a mature player. And I think I said this with you, we discussed it last week. It might have been two weeks ago, Jim, that it shouldn't be – a surprise to anybody that these fifth and sixth year guys at quarterback are playing the best football at quarterback in the country right now. They're older. They've seen everything. They've been through everything. They're mature. They're not kids. And we see so many kids playing the quarterback position. These guys are young men now. And you put good players around them, and all of a sudden it's having an NFL-level player playing college football. Yeah, and he looks really good at doing it right now. And that Oregon team still hopes to make a run to the playoffs themselves. All right, there's half the show. Another half to go. That includes what they call the game. I don't know if you uh, watched any television throughout the evening and on Sunday. It got promoted on Fox every other commercial break. The game is coming up. Around here, that's Alabama and Auburn. We'll get back into the Iron Bowl, but also Michigan and Ohio State. The aftermath of this weekend, what's ahead, all that coming up. This is Monday Morning Live, brought to you by by MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag, 50% deposit bonus right now if you use the promo code next round at MyBookie.ag. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere. And also by our friends at Way to Wellness, Leslie and her board-certified team. I saw Leslie on a beach this weekend. She sent a photo. She had her next-round koozies out, enjoying the sunshine down in the Caribbean. What a great place to be. Yeah, on a beach. Right there. You can't beat that this time of year. I've always wanted to take that vacation, but I'm such a football guy. This is when I work. (laughs) I can't take that vacation. But I'd love to be someplace hot when it's cold. Maybe in the future we'll do that. But Waiter Wellness can get you beach ready right now. No cookie cutter plan. Everything is designed for you. The program's overseen by board certified professionals. Just go to this website, aplanforme.com, aplanforme.com. No contract, no sign up fees, and you get a free consultation. It's Way to Wellness, your journey to health, healthy living. They'll take care of you. And if you're getting older, it can help control your blood pressure and cholesterol numbers as well with a healthy diet. Again, the website is aplanforme.com. More or a Monday morning live when we come back right here on all the next round platforms.
The Double Down Media Podcast family is live and full of content for all ages. The Mystery Fifth Hour gives the next round host a chance to talk about everything but sports. Pour a glass of Bama and Bourbon, our weekly college football conversation, while sipping on some of the most interesting pours in the bourbon world. And in our Not For All Ages podcast, The Last Call, LT takes off the gloves for in-depth conversations with stars like Taylor Hicks, presented by Redmont Vodka. Find these podcasts and more by searching The Next Round on Apple, Spotify, and on our website, nextroundlive.com. The next round is so much more than the show you get from 9 to 1 each day. So make sure to head to our official YouTube channel at Next Round Live and subscribe to get all of our latest content. We, of course, have plenty of specialty content and shorts based all around the sports in the heart of the SEC. But we also talk pro sports, gambling, lifestyle and entertainment, and so much more. It's the Next Round YouTube channel where you never know what you're going to find next. Subscribe now to see the latest content and get notifications when we go live. That's at Next Round Live on YouTube. Hey, Ryan Brown here from the next round. Do you want to help pay for my kid's college and look great while you're doing it? You need to go to the next round store. Everything from hats to short sleeve and long sleeve t-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, zip up hoodies, and much more. And we're adding new things all the time. Why would you not want to see my kids get a great college education and look great out in the public while you're doing it? Get the gear we wear all the time on the show. And there's only one place to get it. Next round dot store. That's next round dot store. The Next Round Golf Card is back and is presented by Urology Centers of Alabama. For $89, play Limestone Springs, Cross Creek, The Meadows, and the renovated Woodward Golf Club. $247 in value for just $89. Or get bonus gifts with the Deluxe Golf Card for $119. No restrictions, good through September of 2024, but supplies are limited. Buy right now at nextround.store. It's time to start thinking about employee holiday gifts. Consider getting your hardworking guys a pair of Red Wing boots. Each day, your employees are on the job site helping your company succeed, so reward them with comfort at its best. The Red Wing Mobile Shoe Truck can visit your shop and fit your employees with a great selection of boots. Or Red Wing gift cards can be purchased at your local Red Wing store available in all amounts. Whichever program you choose, your employees will appreciate the quality service and selection from Red Wing Shoes, and they'll also be thankful they have such a great boss. Reward your employees this holiday season with Red Wing Shoes. The Next Round Store is live and loaded. Check out the latest logo t-shirts and hoodies. Get your favorite team colors, the Next Round flag shirt, or grab the popular Y'all Can Have the Rest t-shirts. Go to nextround.store. That's nextround.store. Start your day online at nextroundlive.com. Get all the latest videos, podcasts, and college football stories. And it's also a great way to stream the show or shop in the Next Round Store. Stay connected by visiting nextroundlive.com. Monday Morning Live, presented by MyBookie.ag, continues with ESPN's Tom Luganville. Before we get back to Tom, um, Cam Rising returning for a seventh year, likely to Utah, makes the announcement over the weekend. Sam Pittman will not lose his job at Arkansas, but Dino Babers does at Syracuse. So that job hunt is ongoing there with the orange up there. Our friends at Gutter Cap want to remind you that it's never too late this holiday season to put on that patented aluminum cover system that fits over most existing gutters. They'll clean out those gutters one last time, then cover them up, and that includes a lifetime warranty. 
Clean gutters, never clean them again. They've been servicing the Birmingham area for over 20 years. Stay off those dangerous ladders forever and get 45% off retail price right now when you go to guttercapbirmingham.com, guttercapbirmingham.com, or call our good friend Chris Stewart, 205-823-2212. That's 205-823-2212 for our friends at Guttercap, guttercapbirmingham.com. All right, we're down to the game. Uh, it's Ohio State and Michigan. And until this week, I didn't think Ohio State had, had a shot in this game. And then Michigan didn't look good. And now Ohio State's looking better. And now it's a toss-up for me. Where are you on Michigan and Ohio State as we get ready for the game this week? You know, heading into that last weekend's game against Maryland for Michigan, I kind of felt like, you know, the one thing that's so impressive about this Michigan team is no matter what is swirling around them, they seem to be immune to it on the field. The, the team itself is unfazed. And now I kind of feel like maybe there's some cracks in that foundation. Maybe it's starting to seep in and all the negativity and the news that came out just prior to, to that game in, in relationship to linebackers coach Chris Partridge and the now infamous Uncle T. And, you know, all of a sudden Michigan and, and Jim Harbaugh backing off of their lawsuit and accepting the three-game suspension where if you read it between the lines you have to sit there and say they were told hey listen if you keep pressing this there's going to be some stuff coming out and it's going to put you in a really really bad spot and and then showed them they had it and so Michigan backs off it just might be becoming too much right I mean it's at some point there, there's got to be a boiling point where it does have an impact there is there is a negative downturn for this now You know, I've seen a lot of folks, uh, you know, coming off of this past weekend saying, well, well, why all of a sudden is J.J. McCarthy not an integral part of the offense and and moving the ball and throwing the football? Well, my answer to that is is because Michigan's been able to effectively run the football. That's who Michigan is. And then they're going to use J.J. McCarthy as needed. I I don't see that as being a, oh, well, you know, Jim Harbaugh's not on the sideline. So now all of a sudden we're going to use J.J. McCarthy differently. I just think it has to do with who they played, the game plan, how things played out in each one of those games. But, yeah, the walls are closing in, Jim. I think it's it's getting more and more difficult for them. And you're right about Ohio State. I think, you know, I, I think we can, each and every week we continue to question or doubt Kyle McCord, yet each and every week he just makes more and more plays. He comes along more and more, and maybe not in the same fashion or as fast or as clean as Carson Beck has at Georgia, but it doesn't mean that he's not good enough to beat you. I think he is good enough to beat Michigan. This is going to be a great football game, and you know that Ohio State's had this one circled for a long time, and then, of course, all of the news that's following Michigan for the vast majority of this season is is more energy and more locker room fodder to pin up on the board. Um, So Michigan and Ohio State playing each other. Uh, second year in a row, both are 11-0. Travion Henderson could be the difference in this game, maybe? I think they're a different offense from an explosive play standpoint on the ground with him than without him. They are more of a just chugging along, you know, trying to pound it, um, you know, get you some tough yards. And then when he comes into the game, things start to break wide open. Um, all of a sudden, he gets to the second level, and it's not just an 8- to 10-yard run. It can turn into a 40-yard run. That's where he creates, I think, real problems for defenses. 
because he's so explosive. So, yeah, I think that's that's really fair because I do think their run game and their offense as a whole is different because they become a little bit more reliant on number 18 when number 32 is not a focal point of the offense. Is it – you know, last year, even the loser got into the, to the, to the playoffs – much like in the SEC, it sort of sort of sucks that uh, the eleven and zero loser in this game is not going to be in the playoffs. But it would take a chaotic final two weeks for that to happen, right? It's going to suck that the loser of the Ohio State Michigan game is going to be left out. I know, and what would really suck is that a team that can barely score thirteen points a game is actually going to be playing in the championship game. That's right. I mean, right now, just hand Phil Parker, the defensive coordinator at Iowa, the Broyles Award. I mean, he, that, that defense is single-handedly saving that entire organization. It's unbelievable to watch how that team has somehow amassed nine wins. I don't know if it's reflective of how good a job they've done or just reflective of how bad the the Big Ten, particularly West, is. But that team's going to be playing for a championship, and the loser of Ohio, Ohio State and Michigan won't be. And, yeah, it's, it's got to be frustrating. And I think your only hope is whoever's the loser of the Ohio State-Michigan game that it's a 39-36 barn burner at the last second and to maybe give the committee something to consider if chaos happened elsewhere for that team that doesn't play in the championship game. The show being brought to you by our friends at Blakely's Bouquets, blakelysbouquets.com, right there in Homewood, historic Homewood, just absolutely the best people in the world, best humans in the world, that if you need flowers this holiday season to you know, sort of sit on the Thanksgiving table or to decorate during the Christmas season, you can order them right there at Blakely's Bouquets, blakelysbouquets.com, 205-579-4900, 205-579-4900, or in person at the full-service flower shop, on Oxmoor Road. It's Blakely's Bouquet. Just a great place to swing by and pick up your flowers year-round. Before we talk Iron Bowl, may I quickly just bounce around a couple of other observations and get your quick reactions. Um, everyone thought Chip Kelly is getting fired at UCLA, just waiting for it to happen. And then they beat USC 38-20. to Now USC is 7-5. and Their season is done, and it looks like Caleb Williams' career is done at USC. And Chip Kelly's got one more game at UCLA at least. First off, your thoughts on USC, where they are, and then on Chip Kelly, should he keep his job? Let's go USC first. I think USC is in big trouble. I think they're in big trouble long-term. Have you looked at their Big Ten schedule next year? Yes. I mean, it, it is brutal, plus LSU and Notre Dame out of conference. they With that defense and who they're playing with personnel-wise, who they are in the offensive line, they're looking at a 4-8, and eight, potential 3-9 and nine type of season without Caleb Williams. Um, they're so devoid of talent on the defensive side of the ball. They've got no ability up front to to play effective defense or to match up with top-level Big Ten teams or top-level SEC teams or a Texas. Um, they can't match up with Oregon and Washington and Utah in their own conference or even Oregon State uh, up front. Um, this is, um, I think, a really interesting situation for Lincoln Riley because, you know, he was hired and brought in there to resurrect this program and return them to glory. But in order to do that, it has to be in every facet of the program. It can't just be on offense. It can't just be at quarterback. It it can't just be with their skill. Um, This was a team, I said this a hundred times at a year ago, was no different on defense than they are now. The only difference was they were plus 22 in turnover margin. You know what SC is this year? Minus three. Mm. 
So you take that defense without getting the extra possessions because of turnovers and with Caleb Williams pretty much having to do it all, he can't save them anymore. And so if you remove Caleb Williams, you still have the same players and you're moving into the Big Ten schedule, what's the answer for Lincoln Riley? There's a new athletic director that did not sign him to that contract that has come over. Um, You have to ask yourself the question, where do they go from here on defense? How can they recruit to a level that an SC should be able to recruit on the defensive side of the ball because they haven't done that in two cycles either? Got great skill, unbelievable skill. And so I think they're – I saw a tweet – this past weekend during the course of that game of which I was on the sideline that said is, is the wrong coach on the hot seat in this matchup. And let's transition to UCLA, Jim. I don't think his job was ever in jeopardy going into this game. I certainly don't think it's in jeopardy at the conclusion of the season. He's now, I think 24 and 12 in two years. He's on the verge of having a nine win season. They had to play with their third and fourth string quarterback on multiple occasions this year, including against Arizona and Arizona State. The Arizona State game is probably unforgivable in terms of how they performed. Uh, But then all of a sudden they got their quarterback back and go out and throttle USC on Saturday. And it was a no contest. So I think they're going to be fine. And Chip Kelly is going to be fine going forward. But there are some real serious, fair questions. Off of that weekend, Jim, USC was 11-1. and And ever since the loss to, I believe, Utah in the Pac-12 championship game, Lincoln Riley's record is 7-7 and at USC. That's not, that's not what anybody thought would be the case when yeah. he got hired. Lane Kiffin was uh, in 2012, 7-6. Started the year off at number one. Finished seven and six, and we all know about Tarmax and Lane Kiffin in USC. Lincoln <laughs> Riley has a big buyout and nowhere near that right now. Okay, to the Iron Bowl we go. This is Monday Morning Live with Tom Luganville. Uh, I'm Jim Dunaway, mybookie.ag, promo code next round, 55, 50% deposit bonus, 50% deposit bonus at mybookie.ag. Iron Bowl this weekend, and everyone will look at Auburn losing to New Mexico State and just blow this off. I don't think that's the case. Give me one thing Auburn has to do to stay in this game with Alabama to make it competitive at Jordan-Hare Stadium. First thing they've got to do against Bama is what? Quarterback run game wrinkle. Even though they have settled, obviously, on Peyton Thorne predominantly, Jacquez Hunter has become the premier runner, and going into this last week's game, it looked like they really had created that that competitive balance between run to throw, and they weren't solely reliant on a rotation at quarterback and their entire run game coming from the quarterback position. I'm not saying they go back to all of that. What I'm saying is, is that everything that gives everybody problems in college football on defense is when they have to defend a player running the football at the quarterback position. And I think Auburn's going to have to have some of that. I'm not saying it's got to be the predominant portion of how they attack Alabama, but they can't allow Alabama to play defense without having to acknowledge the quarterback as a runner. That, that, that's priority number one for me. Um, because aside from that, if you took that away, Jim, Auburn is not good enough to just line up, in my opinion, as good as they've been on defense. I don't think they're good enough to just line up and stop the traditional run. I, uh, or, uh, I don't, th- excuse me. 
Auburn's not good enough to line up and just run it at Alabama. Alabama would will will handle, I think, Auburn's front. And then, you know, if you force them to be one-dimensional in a passing game where, you know, everything's downfield and the pocket's not being moved and you're not having to worry about the quarterback scrambling and moving around, that plays into the hands of, of Alabama. So there's got to be some of that stuff that keeps uh, Alabama defensively on their heels. Pete writes in on Twitter. He wants to know four teams, regardless of record, your eye test. Is Alabama one of the four better teams, four best teams in the country? Yes, absolutely. I was asked this question last uh, week. We did a segment on College Football Live about it, and it was basically an eye test top four. Didn't matter who played who. Doesn't matter what the record is. Doesn't who are the best looking football teams right now? And I said at that time, that was last week, I said in some order, Georgia, Michigan, Alabama, and Oregon. And then I had I had uh, Texas in the conversation right there. I know the head-to-head, but that wasn't the question that was asked. It was right now, right? And, uh, and I probably would say the same four potentially this week, but um, – you know that's not all, that's not the only criteria that, uh, that this committee is going to go by. But I do think, as we head into the later weeks, these last couple of weeks, championship weekend, the committee does start to really get a feel for how somebody's playing. Like right now, are you peaking and hot at the right time? What's Alabama doing right going into this Auburn game? Um, is it is it just all? I mean, back to where they were to now. Is it just all the improvement of Milrow? Uh, is it a combination of Milrose improvement and Tommy Tommy Reese's improvement as a play caller? Um, is it the receivers have gotten better? The offensive line has gotten better? Is it all of the above? Tell me the things Alabama's gotten better at since that second half letdown against Texas. I think it's all of the above, but if I were to nitpick and pull one thing out that I think has had the greatest impact on all of those developmental things improving – it's been Tommy Reese somehow getting Jalen Milrow to make quicker, more decisive decisions with the football. Now, when you say, well, how does that affect the other areas? Well, number one, have you noticed we're not overly critical of the offensive line with Alabama anymore? That's not to say the offensive line hasn't improved. They have. But when Jalen Milrow is not holding in, onto the ball and moving himself into pressures and into sacks by doing what? being decisive and getting the ball out of his hand. When the, the first read or the priority read is right there, and it's there, all of a sudden the, the clock's going off and Jalen Milrose taking it and getting the ball out of his hand. So now all of a sudden the skill guys look better because the skill guys have the ball in space and they're probably better than the opposition. So now the wideouts look better, right? It's just it's this trickle-down effect that I think decision-making – and the timing and anticipation and the rhythm of that decision-making that was really lacking, I would probably say up until maybe the game I had, the Arkansas game in, in Tuscaloosa. Coming out of that game is where I think we really kind of saw a shift in, in Jalen Milrow making a concerted effort to do better things in, in that regard. And as a result, everything else is kind of coming together uh, because he's not putting them in negative situations. Uh, RTR eighteen forever says, "If I can rub a, a genie's bottle, I think's what he means here. If he can make a wish, we'll put it that way. Mm-hmm. Which one game, one loss can I 
make one of my wishes to help Alabama's playoff as I try to surmise what he's saying here. If he can wish for one loss that helps Alabama's case to make the playoffs, which team needs to lose the most? I think it's Texas because you need the Big 12's champ to be out of it, which would then provide an opportunity uh, for if an Alabama were to beat Georgia to have two SEC teams in with the Pac-12 and the Big 10 champ. Potentially, potentially, and then obviously you've got Florida State and what happens with them. So, again, I think it's probably Texas with the injury that's happened to Florida State. Um, I think a loss with Florida State, even if they were an, an ACC champ, given the current position of the team and how that would be viewed with no Jordan Travis, could really help Alabama. Uh, Tom Luganbill with us on Monday Morning Live. We've got about nine minutes to go here. Always brought to you by our friends at MyBookie, MyBookie.ag, MyBookie.ag. Promo code next round gets you into that. It is Iron Bowl week coming up. That, of course, is 2.30 Saturday. We get the Egg Bowl on Thursday night in SEC play. Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Uh, in that contest, Ole Miss will be going for their 10th win of the season. Lane Kiffin long-term. People are, are starting to say maybe he's in the mix at Texas A&M or somewhere else. But here he goes with a 10-win season, a chance possibly at a uh, an outside chance at a New Year's Six Bowl a game or another good bowl game for Ole Miss. What's Lane Kiffin's future? Is it in Oxford or somewhere else? Well, I, I think you have to ask uh, one serious question when you have this conversation and it's a it's a topic that has been brought up multiple times by lane kiffin himself and that is in today's college football climate what are your resources afforded to you institutionally and from your backing and your boosters and your alumni and your collective and all of that stuff are you at a level where you can compete to beat alabama or to consistently beat Georgia, or consistently beat an LSU when they're at the top. So you have to ask yourself the question, if there's an opportunity out there, I'm not saying that there is, and and there may not be for for Lane Kiffin as it relates to a program like Texas A&M. But the answer to that question is Texas A&M has a lot of those things that maybe Ole Miss currently doesn't have. Not that they don't have all of it, but maybe not to the level that you'd like to have to truly be able to compete on that level. So... In, in today's world, you know, can you can you be a 10-win team in the SEC West? Yeah, probably if your quarterback's hitting right, you're playing decent defense, and, you know, you've got a premier guy at running back like Ole Miss has. Can you truly compete to outpace an Alabama or a Georgia if you're not on par with their resources? Probably not. And so how attractive would that opportunity be? Because I would make the argument that while – Texas A&M has all of those resources. You have to ask the question why all of those great players aren't playing great. Yeah. And why all of those great players aren't performing to the level that every recruiting service um, in every other program that tried to recruit them that didn't sign them would have expected them to perform at to this level. And sometimes that could be the negative side of name, image, and likeness. Pay for play is motivation. And I think it's a, it's a fair question to ask because when you have all of those resources and you have everything in place, what's not working? And so you have to figure out if you were Elaine Kiffin and there was that opportunity, could I make that work? Could I bridge that gap to get great players but then get the great players to perform despite what's being provided for them? Bo Knowles 
N-O-L-E-S. I like that. Bo, Bo Knowles <laughs> says, you guys can stop wishing for a FSU loss. Florida lost their quarterback, too. And that's something that hadn't been talked about a lot. Graham Mertz breaks a collarbone, we think, has a collarbone injury. He's likely out in that game. So it's going to be QB2 versus QB2 there in the swamp this weekend. That's That, that helps Florida State a little bit, right? I think it does because Florida State's got the better top-to-bottom football team. And so – and they've played with Tate Rodemaker as well. They've played games with him. They've actually won some big games. Remember, two years ago, they beat uh, Louisville on the road um, when Jordan Travis got hurt. And so, um, yeah, I think it probably favors Florida State a little bit. And um, maybe it, it – I would say this. I would say the offense probably isn't as handcuffed at Florida State as maybe it will be at Florida. Uh, by the way, if Florida loses that game, that would be five straight for the Gators to have lost – the buyout, if you're interested in that kind of stuff for Billy Napier, is $31.6 million. But they've got a top five recruiting class right now. And maybe it's just top 10 now. They've got a guy that's flipped or a couple of guys who may be flipping. You don't, you don't pay somebody $31.6 million to walk away yet in Gainesville, do you? I don't. I wouldn't. Um, but uh, that's what everybody seems to enjoy talking about, especially, especially with that program. Um, But I I, I think that's premature. But listen, as good of a guy as Sam Pittman is, and and as as much as we all love dealing with him, I think a lot of people are surprised that Arkansas is bringing Sam back. So, um, and and Billy Napier is in far more of a, I would say, early infant stages of program development than, than, than Coach Pittman is. We know at least one team is going to lose this week in the top eight after three straight weeks with no chaos. (laughs) Ohio State and Michigan plays each other. Let me read you these results. You tell me how many top eight teams loses. Uh, we know either Ohio State, Michigan. Georgia's at Georgia Tech. Florida State's at Florida. Washington plays host to Wazoo, who just boat raced Colorado. Oregon plays host to Oregon State. Texas plays host to Texas Tech. Alabama's at Auburn. People keep waiting on chaos. Any chaos this week? We know one of them will lose. Is there a second or third loss there? I think there could be potentially three chaotic games. Texas, Texas Tech, Oregon, Oregon State, Washington, Washington State. The problem is, is in order for that chaos to happen, none of those games are played on the road for those three teams. And um, and I think that plays a role in all of it. I believe, and I've always felt this way, anytime you have a rivalry game, at the end of the year, something that really means something to both teams. You're tired. You're worn out. One of the teams doesn't really have anything riding on it. The other team does. So Washington and Oregon have huge, huge ramifications riding on this. Texas has huge ramifications riding on this. Anything can happen. And that's what makes the weekend great, right? I mean, that's why we're all sitting here talking about it and looking forward to these matchups. It's going to be so much fun. Yeah, two of them happened on a Friday, by the way. Texas Tech and Texas, 6.30 on ABC. That's my game. That's your game, isn't it? That's what I was going to get to. Yeah. So you're back in Austin. Yeah, the official the official uh, broadcast television provider of Texas Longhorn football is Tom Luganville, Dusty Check, and Dave Pash. <laughs> hey, hey, but it's been interesting in the second half, every one of those, hasn't it? Oh, no doubt. I mean, I will say this about Sark's team. They have come up with ways to finish, and they've come up with ways to win in different fashion. And I, and, and in fairness, you could make the argument that that is something that that team has failed miserably at 
in years past. And credit those kids and that football team because they, I know culture is an overused phrase in this business, but there's something going on in that locker room at Texas. That's a very galvanized unit. All right, Tom Luganville, man, have a happy, happy Thanksgiving. You'll obviously be on the road for your Thanksgiving to Austin there. Hope you and your family. Yeah. Congratulations to your son. I cover, I actually taught a class at Eastern Kentucky when I worked in Lexington. What? Yeah, broadcasting class. It was for football players to make an A, so I wish I was still there. I'd give him an A. So <laughs> it was great. Uh, Luganville back with us next Monday. A couple more Monday morning lives this football season. Thanks for being with us. Brought to you by MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag. Promo code next round. Uh, other than Texas Tech, Texas with Lugs on Friday night. You get Oregon State, Oregon, 730 on Fox. That impacts the playoffs. And then we go into Saturday's rivalry weekend. Should be a lot of fun. Don't, for, don't forget... The next round, the boys join me coming up at 9 a.m. Central Time in about an hour. If you want us on the replay, it starts right here at the top of the hour. Until next time, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. God bless you and God bless America.